Welcome to the Masters in Exercise podcast. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Michelle Mottola. Dr. Mottola is a professor in the School of Kinesiology at University of Western Ontario. And she has devoted most of her research career to study exercise prescription in pregnant and postpartum women. This is the second time that Michelle comes to the podcast. In the first episode, we discuss exercise prescription during pregnancy. And in this episode, we talk about exercise after giving birth. Among many other interesting things, we talk about why women tend to decrease their physical activity levels after giving birth, what the benefits of exercising the postpartum period are, and how exercising with their infants could be a wiser strategy for women to increase the levels of physical activity after pregnancy. Without further ado, this is my conversation with Dr. Michelle Motola. Um, hello, Michelle. Uh, thanks for uh, coming back to the podcast. This is the first time we have to do two episodes, but we had so much information and it was so interesting that I, I think we, we, we made the right call. So in the previous uh, section of the podcast, we talked mostly about the effects of exercise during pregnancy. And in this part, uh, we want to focus more on exercise postpartum. Can we talk first about the duration of the postpartum period? Do we have a definition for that? Or I think it's important to establish this before we discuss uh, this in more detail. Good idea. First, let me thank you for inviting me back. I think this is a very <laughs> important aspect to talk about. And, and I don't think a lot of people understand the importance of, of this postpartum period. And it basically is the, the first 12 months after delivery. And yeah. in fact, some people, some researchers or clinicians will consider this postpartum period as being the fourth trimester, if you will, because there are so many physiological changes that happen with pregnancy. And then as soon as that baby is born, it's not like you can turn off the tap or you can stop everything that has changed physiologically from pregnancy. And so that's why many physicians consider this as the fourth trimester up to that, that 12 months postpartum. But having said that, there are, there are, you can divide up these 12 months into specific time, time periods. So for example, the immediate postpartum period, so that would be like the first 48 hours after the woman has delivered. And sometimes that's equated to her hospital stay if she's delivered in hospital. And then um, there's the immediate postpartum period, which would be after She's delivered, so that first 48 hours to about six weeks, that's kind of the in, in intermediate kind of time, time uh, period. And then there's from six weeks to one year. And that uh, can correspond to when she stops breastfeeding because supposed, she's supposed to theoretically breastfeed till approximately a year. Uh, so that's kind of where it's um, been considered. But in, in Canada, maternity leave actually is up to one year post-delivery. And uh, many women choose to take that allowed postpartum time off work. So again, it varies country to country. But in Canada, it is considered that 12-month period. Okay. So before I ask you questions about exercise prescription, specifically after during this period, I, I want to ask you about, uh, again, trends of physical activity after pregnancy. In 2014, you published a paper that summarized international guidelines for physical activity following pregnancy. 
And in the paper, you mentioned that previously active women that do not resume their pre-pregnancy physical activity levels may remain inactive for many years. And you cite an Australian longitudinal study that demonstrated a decline in physical activity specifically during this period, three years following pregnancy specifically. Can you explain why this happens? And again, what are the main barriers and facilitators for physical activity among women after giving birth? Yeah, there's a, there's a number of number of reasons, number of barriers. And I think it's, especially when you think about up to that three-year period, it, it just it's just so hard to start once you have a baby and, and everything in your life kind of tr- focuses on that newborn or that infant. And so it's very difficult to kind of change that mentality and, and to think about time for yourself. So with regards to barriers, again, it depends on the type of delivery. So now we're talking like immediately uh, in the postpartum period depending on her type of delivery. So for example, if she's had a vaginal delivery, it again, it, it's, it's difficult to decide when to start an exercise program because she still will bleed from that vaginal delivery, uh, can be up to about 10 weeks, uh, depending on, on her. And then there's also a C-section. So a C-section is major surgery, as you know. And Again, it depends on how that scar heals. So when when do you start to be physically active? When do you start exercising? So and and because her life has had a complete radical change, so she's now has to look after a newborn, an infant, twenty four seven. When do you and that will change every day with the infant demands? How do you? start to get into an exercise routine. And I think that's the problem that, that it's very difficult to get into that exercise routine. So it, it, it's difficult to plan when to exercise with, with regards to the newborn and the infant demands changing all the time. Um, and I think the other problem is that healthcare providers don't actually focus on, on the woman. The healthcare provider focuses on, on the baby. And I mean, rightly so because the, the baby should take priority. But it, it's very difficult maybe, or physicians don't even really think about asking postpartum women how they're doing or even to, how to introduce exercise into their postpartum routine. Uh, there could also be things like the weather, especially in the winter months. How do you get out and exercise just with, just with the uh, other population groups that are out there? How do you get individuals to start exercise but now you've got a baby that's in the, that could potentially be in the way for scheduling and so with regards to facilitators um, certainly I think the important thing would be having a partner or family support so that the infant can maybe be can maybe be looked after while the mother spends time for herself but sometimes time for herself, can be just depending on priority can just be, okay, well, I need to have a shower now. Um, I need to go have something to eat. Um, and, and exercise doesn't have that priority that it once did potentially because it's difficult to juggle, juggle scheduling. So, but having said that, there's no reason why a postpartum woman can't take her baby for a walk, for example, take her baby with her and go outside for a walk. And maybe that's something that, that physicians need to talk to their um, postpartum women about is just get physically active, just get out there and 
and, and go for a walk, for example, with baby. And then maybe we might be able to see a change in that. Okay. This is related to another question that I had, which is in one of your papers, you mentioned that postpartum care, the, the topic of exercise is introduced six weeks after giving birth. So why do you think is that? Is it, is it because this child focus is, is all about the, the child? Yeah. Do you think that's the main reason why this is not addressed in, by physicians probably? Um, yeah. What do you think is that? I, I think you're right. I think that's part of it. I also think that physicians don't really know um, about a healthy lifestyle potentially and what that means for a, a postpartum woman. Okay. So I, I think that the postpartum visit is so short that they mainly focus on the infant. And there really is only one postpartum visit that is, that is scheduled within six to eight weeks afterwards that is both for baby and potentially seeing how her C-section scar is healing or how she's doing with regards to her vaginal delivery and that kind of thing. And then after that, any of the postpartum visits are usually for infant shots or to see how the infant is growing. Okay. And again, because of that short time period, I think that's one of the reasons why it's very, the postpartum woman kind of falls in the cracks of our healthcare system, unfortunately. Okay. Very interesting. Um, so besides it's well-known positive effects on cardiovascular fitness, weight loss, mood, and anxiety, for example, are there other benefits of exercising during this period? Yeah, I think you've covered the main, the main benefits, but there could also be things like uh, exercising with your baby in the postpartum period might be a good way to facilitate that maternal infant bonding, for example, um, and perhaps even providing that great role model for the, the uh, offspring to see that mom is, is being physically active and maybe that can be something that can be incorporated into the infant's and, and child's lifestyle. Um, another benefit could be uh, preventing lactation-induced bone loss is another uh, potential benefit for being physically active, especially with uh, weight-bearing exercise. Um, another is uh, maybe strengthening the pelvic floor muscles. So like Kegel exercises, for example, can uh, uh, maybe prevent um, urinary incontinence. So I think there's a number of benefits besides those, those ones that you've mentioned. Okay. I want to ask, well, I'll ask you later a question about, because you have some studies in which you explore the benefits of exercising with your child. And I'm going to ask you later this question because I think it's, 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 it's really interesting too. Um, let's talk about postpartum depression because that's something we didn't discuss. And I think it's, first of all, what is the prevalence? Because I'm not an expert, so I don't know the prevalence. And what can exercise do to mitigate some of the effects? What is the evidence? Yeah, depression can actually affect up to about 22% of postpartum women. So it's, it's fairly high, I think, when you, when you think about it. Um, then there's also this, um, you've probably heard of baby blues, right? Yeah. Um, baby blues are, are basically this feeling of, of being sad after, after the baby's born. And that can be due to the sudden change of hormones uh, in the postpartum period right after delivery. 
It can include mood swings, crying spells, anxiety, maybe def- difficulty sleeping. Um, but usually those baby blues um, with, begin within the first two to three days after delivery. It may last up to a couple of weeks, but usually then it starts to, to dissipate. So when we talk about postpartum depression, we're talking about um, major issues. Um, and that can affect about 22% of postpartum women. So can exercise mitigate that? Yes. Um, we've looked into whether exercise during pregnancy has an impact on postpartum depression. And um, in fact, it doesn't, there's really no link there. However, exercise in the postpartum period can actually mitigate postpartum depression. So it's the, the idea of being active in the postpartum period. And that can actually mitigate or decrease those depressive symptoms by about 50%. Wow. So being physically active in the postpartum period is extremely important, especially when you think about that. Okay. I think it's interesting that you, so there is no uh, carryover effect. If you exercise during your pregnancy, you, you don't see the evidence that that will protect you from having it's yeah. interesting that there is no, yeah. because normally exercise, I mean, the effects of exercise tend to disappear, obviously, if you stop exercising, but they, they remain for some, some, some weeks or some months, depending on the physiological aspect that you're looking at. Yeah, so, and, I, and I think, I think that could be because of this complete life change. Okay. Right? So, I, I mean, it may help, but when you think about this complete life change that happens in the postpartum period, um, it seems to be that it's related to the now. So what what is happening to the pregnant or to the postpartum woman now in the postpartum period that that is important. Okay. And and I should mention as well that certainly if if postpartum women do feel depressed, they need to seek medical attention and and talk to their healthcare provider. Okay. Okay. So let me ask you now about how early I get, again, I guess it depends on the case. I mean, it's, it's very different depending on the type of, the type of uh, pregnancy that you had, if you had more difficulties, but in general, let's assume that everything went well, how early a woman can initiate exercise. And also I want to ask you about the risks of delaying this. What, what are the risks of starting too late to exercise after pregnancy? Yeah. Um, let me start with that question first. I, I don't think it's ever too late to start an exercise program in the postpartum period. I think what might be a problem is if they start too early. And and that that comes back to, okay, so when should they start? And so, um, again, it depends on the delivery that they've had. So, um, if they've had a vaginal delivery um, and uh, there's still maybe slight bleeding because of that vaginal delivery. Um, and then they go to their physician and they talk to their physician. Everything seems to be fine. After they've had that postpartum visit, then they should be free to start an exercise program. Um, however, that doesn't mean that they can't be physically active. So there's, there's that difference, right, between starting a structured exercise program and starting to be physically active. And so they can start being physically active as long as they feel fine and as long as they're not overly fatigued. They can start going for a walk and being physically active almost immediately after delivery. So again, depending on on the the mode of delivery. Um, Those women with 
that have had a cesarean section, though, that's major surgery. So again, they would probably be delayed starting a little bit longer because they have to make sure that that scar has, it has healed well. And so again, coming back to that postpartum visit of six to eight weeks after, uh, again, it may even be 10 to 12 weeks after that they, they might be delayed in starting a, an exercise program. But again, depending on how they're feeling, they could go for walks. There's, there's no reason why they can't increase their daily physical activity, stroller walking. Um, although women with cesarean sections have to be careful of lifting. Um, so again, pushing a stroller, they, they have to be careful of pushing a stroller as well. They, they just have to watch that cesarean scar um, to make sure that it heals properly. Okay, that's interesting. I want to ask you a question. We didn't have this question in, in the script, but I think it's important because we, we have been uh, investigating the effects of um, sedentary behavior. So we have now this contradiction that you can maybe meet the recommendations of physical activity in terms of, you know, you exercise maybe 45 minutes every day, which is, you know, or whatever, you know, whatever the recommendation is for seven days a week, but then seven hours, you know, after you exercise, you, you sit on a chair and you, and you work in front of a computer for 12 hours. So I was wondering, have you studied this in, in, in during pregnancy, but also postpartum, how this, because I guess maybe you can meet the recommendations of physical activity, but then because of you taking care of a, of a child, maybe your, your life is very sedentary. Have you studied this? Do you think that's a problem? I mean, that they can maybe meet or be close to the recommendation in terms of physical activity, but it's still, you know, this super uh, passive or super sedentary uh, life can affect their health? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't studied that, but certainly I'm very interested in that. And I think, I think you hit on a great point about you might be, phys- you might be exercising per se for 30 minutes a day, but yeah. what are you doing for the 23 and a half hours left? Um, and so I think this comes back to increasing daily, daily physical activity. So um, parking farther away, um, to increasing your step counts. Um, and certainly in, in the postpartum period, I think that's also a major issue. Um, and I think just the idea of going for a walk or, or starting to increase your daily physical activity life and decreasing sedentary time, I think, is, is an important factor. However, having said that, um, I mean, you, you can't breastfeed when and, and exercise at the same time or be physically active. I mean, you need to sit. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, no, there's nothing that you can do to get, to get away from that. Um, but certainly, um, as the infant grows and, and perhaps uh, once breastfeeding is, is stopped, there, there are ways that you can be physically active with your kids or with your children and there's ways to be physically active with your infant. Um, and, and certainly we've investigated that where, uh, and we can talk about that later, but incorporating the infant potentially as a muscle conditioning, um, <laughs> strengthening uh, way of being physically active, you know, it increases that maternal infant bonding. Uh, it increases her, her strength. Um, and as the infant grows, it's a great way to also increase your, uh, the amount of, of weight that you're lifting, right? Oh, um, that's interesting. So, I mean, there's many ways that you can incorporate uh, being physically active into the postpartum period. And, and 
thinking about how we can be more active in the time that we have in the day. Okay, excellent. So in the previous um, in the previous episode of the podcast, we we talk about the fit principles, the frequency, intensity, time, and duration. I want to ask you the same now, but now we're talking not about the pregnancy period. We're talking about the postpartum period. So what are the main differences? What are the main recommendations in terms of uh, the fit principles, frequency, intensity, time, and duration? Yeah, they can, they can be pretty much the same as a general, the general population uh, per se, which would be 150 minutes per week, right? Yeah. Um, but having said that, there are, with regards to frequency, we usually, again, suggest three, at least three times per week. And having a rest day in between, I think, is really important. And again, now we're talking about a structured exercise program, right? Yeah. Which is different than, say, going for a walk. Um, so when, when the woman gets back into being phys physically active using an exercise a structured exercise program, then that's where it starts getting into at, at least three times per week, having a day of rest in between um, just so that she doesn't get overly fatigued. So that's frequency intensity, again, would be moderate to vigorous physical activity. But we also have a saying that says, start low, go slow, okay. because I think it's really important that when she does start back into her exercise program, it depends on what she did prior to pregnancy or during pregnancy and how many weeks it's been since she hasn't been, been exercising at all. So again, just like a, an athlete coming off of an injury, um, you can suggest that birth is a major trauma that you you do need to start thinking about how would be the best way to rehabilitate and get back into being physically active. So that would, uh, again, coming back, frequency, intensity, time, um, we usually suggest about just 15 minutes and see how that goes. And um, if, if she's feeling well, if she's not being overly fatigued, um, she can certainly increase that time slowly. So from 15 minutes, add five, maybe five minutes every week, uh, maybe getting to 45 minutes and then maintaining that. Again, depending on breastfeeding, depending on how she's feeling. And the type of physical activity, again, depends on what she's been doing prior. So if, if she has been a swimmer, um, you know, again, if that's what she's into, then that's totally fine. Um, if she's a runner, again, she may want to wait maybe up to three months to start jogging. But again, walking is still a marvelous way to kind of build up to that jogging time. Um, Weight-bearing activities are also very good because, again, as I've mentioned, that, that can help diminish the uh, postpartum uh, bone loss because of breastfeeding. So, so I think, you know, again, uh, it has to be very individualized, just like it was for pregnancy. Okay, okay. I want to ask you now about exercise and breastfeeding precisely um, because exercise and lactation are both energy demanding processes. And obviously they may be seen as something antagonistic that you cannot combine. So is there any evidence that exercise can have a negative impact on breastfeeding? No, um, <laughs> that's the short answer. Um, however, 
um, there are, there's literature out there that, that has looked at um, the amount of lactic acid in breast milk. And um, lactic acid can change, or supposedly from this, this literature, can change the taste of breast milk. And that was one of the reasons why uh, this, this one particular paper um, that really hasn't been replicated and um, has kind of given breastfeeding and exercise a bad name, if you will. But that was only one study and it has, hasn't been replicated. And so um, lactic acid does not build up in breast milk with a moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity program or exercise program. And they only found traces of lactic acid in the breast milk in extremely strenuous exercise. And it, so again, coming back to if that's the only reason why, why women are afraid to um, exercise in the postpartum period, that, that myth has been debunked. Um, however, having said that, there are certain things that need to be considered during breastfeeding and exercise. And one of them is hydration. So um, one of the ways that you can decrease the milk supply is to be dehydrated. And so it's not because of exercise, it's because that she could potentially be dehydrated. So it's really important for postpartum women who are breastfeeding to remain hydrated and to be very careful when, they're, when they are exercising. Um, so that's one, one important factor. The second one is um, breast support. And so women who wear sports bras may actually bind the breasts. And so that may be a problem in that it may diminish milk supply because the breasts are being bound. So in order to, to overcome that, it's important perhaps that she now wear um, a support bra rather than a sports bra. Because uh, again, binding the breasts will diminish the milk supply. So these are not related to exercise per se, but they are, they are potentially confounding factors that may diminish um, milk supply. So it's really important that uh, women who are exercising, that they remain hydrated and well-nourished and also watch the type of bra that they wear. Okay, interesting. So you talk about milk supply. I I'm thinking... What about milk quality, if that's something you can measure? I mean, does exercise improve that? Is there any evidence that you can improve the quality of the milk to, to when you exercise in more physically active women? Or Yeah, unfortunately, it's real, it's, I don't think that's ever been examined, per okay. se. Um, but, you know, certainly exercise has been shown to improve um, Immunolo immunological um, things, yeah. um, and and um, certainly we know that breast milk uh, is important for transfer of, of um, immuno immunological um, protection properties yeah. uh, to the infant. So again, I mean, it certainly wouldn't wouldn't be a problem, um, but we don't know. We okay. don't know if there's a, a benefit, an extra benefit to that. Is uh, we don't know that. Okay. So what about uh, you mentioned also mineral bone mass density? 
what happens when you introduce exercise in the postpartum period? Is there any risk that you can decrease, uh, that you can end up having osteopenia, for example? Um, not usually, but um, pregnancy, for example, ha ha the maternal, maternal skeletal system ha is the primary source of um, calcium for the growing fetus. So the evidence shows that uh, maternal bone mineral density decreases by approximately 6% from early to late pregnancy as a result of this increase in bone resorption. So, however, um, bone density is generally thought to recover in uh, the approximately like six months after delivery um, because, and, and that's usually when breastfeeding uh, stops. So there can be um, a recovery that occurs once breastfeeding stops, but also when Menzies resumes. So with the hormonal um, coming back, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. where the hormones coming back to um, potentially non-pregnant non values, um, that's where you start seeing the, the bone start coming back to, to normal once uh, menstruation has resumed. And, and although more research is needed, um, it certainly suggested that exercises reduces bone density loss, even when accompanied by weight loss in the postpartum period, especially in, in the breastfeeding mother. But I also think that weight-bearing activities are also important in this time period, especially for those women who are breastfeeding. Okay. I want to go back to something we already discussed, which was the benefits of the mother exercising with the child and how it was interesting to me to know that you can, you can make your child to become a dumbbell almost and <laughs> just try to integrate them. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that. I, I found. I found this a very interesting idea. So you've conducted several studies on the effects of exercise with the strollers and babies, and on maternal health, sleep, for example, and physical patterns on babies. I know it's, it's a it's a broad question, but what are the main findings? What are the benefits? Yeah, we've. This is a preliminary study that um, we've done. Studies called active, active mother, active baby. Um, and uh, it's a stroller walking program with one of my PhD students. Um, and we've got some preliminary data that um, showed that with 10 weeks of a stroller walking program and, and a muscle conditioning stroller walking program uh, where we use the babies as uh, like you were suggesting with the, as, as potentially weights. Um, but, but you have to be very careful, um, especially in the early stages of, of um, postpartum with a, with a, a baby that is before six months of age because you have to watch their head um, if you're using baby as, as a, a uh, weight. Um, but once the baby is uh, past six months of age, you know, certainly you can use baby in, in uh, different ways to improve muscle strengthening and conditioning in the mother. Um, and so with a 10-week program, we've seen that um, women can reduce their body mass, uh, reduce their BMI, uh, even though they are breastfeeding. So this program is, is um, certainly really good in that regard. Um, but we've also found it was very interesting that um, vigorous intensity um, exercise increased with the women. And so did um, the physical activity of the infant. Um, and and that, that we thought well, that was very interesting. Now, this is, was only with 
using a, a questionnaire that the mother completed. And so uh, I think this would be a really interesting thing to take a look at in, in the next, next uh, study, perhaps, is to actually maybe put an accelerometer on the babies or, or to take a look at um, what that actually means from a quantitative perspective as opposed to just a questionnaire. Um, so that we were intrigued by this. And then, and then this kind of comes back to this maternal infant bonding and, and this whole idea of the mother being a role model for, for uh, infant kids, babies. Uh, I don't know. Is that, is that uh, something that, that we can maybe potentially look at in the future? Okay, it's very interesting. Um, let me ask you one last question. What are the main questions in your area of research that you want to address that you haven't addressed yet? If you could, you know, answer the big question, what is the thing that is, you know, something that you want to learn that you don't know yet? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, there's so many things, <laughs> um, especially in the postpartum period. I mean, um, there's a lot of things that, that I'm interested in pregnancy as well, but in the postpartum period, I think it, it there's so many things to investigate because again, this is a very interesting physiological phenomenon that um, what, what are, for example, what are some of the physiological things that are, have remained from pregnancy that carry forward into the postpartum period up to that one year? I think that would be very interesting to take a look at. And there's some literature that would suggest that uh, stroke volume continues to be elevated in postpartum women. Um, hormones are, are uh, very interesting when you look at uh, hormones in, in postpartum women and also the effects of breastfeeding. I, from a physiological perspective in, in uh, postpartum women. But then I think there's also some really cool stuff with regards to um, maternal and infant development, uh, um, the, the bonding between them, um, this whole idea of the mother being um, a role model for future um, babies. Um, the, there's, there's so many things that um, we can look at in, in the infant. Um, for example, are, are women who have exercised during pregnancy and continue to exercise in the postpartum period, are their babies maybe more uh, developmentally um, enhanced? Yeah. Are, are they reaching those developmental milestones sooner than, say, those women who are not being physically active? So those are several very interesting questions that I think remain to be addressed in, in the postpartum period. Okay. Just one last question. I always ask this question to guests. Can you define success? Um, I think it's important for, especially students. Some of my students are listening to this podcast. Can you define success? And I know, again, it's a very difficult question, but academically, but also maybe or professionally, but also personally, if you don't mind. That, that's a really tough question because yep. you wonder if you've ever succeed, right? <laughs> I mean, um, I think in our profession, um, success means that you are okay with rejection. <laughs> um, that's, that's very philosophical, but... Um, I'm very unsuccessful then. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's how you um, handle being... Um, having your papers rejected, having your grants rejected. And the way potentially, and I, and I mean, that happens to everybody. 
Um, but I think one of the ways that, that you can reach towards success is to take what has been suggested in your rejection and improve on it and then resubmit. So never give up and, and always resubmit or um, take those suggestions to heart and, and make a better document. And then eventually you will succeed. So it's not, it's not the success, it's the journey, right? I, again, I'm being very philosophical, but it's, it's the journey that you take in order to get to the top of, uh, if you call that success. So there are many different successful um, stepping stones in order to get there. And I think those are really important. The journey is really important as opposed to that the goal. terminology of, of being successful. Okay. That's excellent. Okay. I want to thank you for this again. I think it has been amazing. I mean, I learned a lot. Um, and thank you so much for, for being part of this. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I really appreciate it.